the theme this year is better. And it is certainly moving in that direction. And I, I give God praise for that. Every weekend has just been unbelievable. I'm going to be reading today from the book of Ezekiel. I think today I'm going to pray before I even read my text. And I'd like for you to bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that this most important and significant of topics will be effectively communicated to the hearts of your people in such a way that they will be stirred to be involved in what we're about to talk about. Now, I can't do that by myself. I ask you to hide me behind the cross and Lord, you be glorified and somehow, Lord, cause your word to be alive in our hearts. Move us profoundly to the point that we are even able to experience divine insight and revelation and even change in the way that we approach the subject that is about to be talked about this morning. And I'm asking that you would do that again for your glory because what we do, we do for you, Lord. You're the one that matters. We want to help everybody we can. We want to do it in a way that is righteous and godly. And if we move away from what I'm about to talk about, then human effort alone is just not going to work. We need divine involvement and participation. And so speak to us now. And everybody shouted and said in Jesus' name, amen. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God is speaking. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. That's a perimeter wall, a wall of defense. And stand in the gap before me. Now I want you to see there's a gap in that wall. Something has broken down a part of the wall. And he said, stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But then God sadly laments, I found no one. That is at once one of the most hopeful and inspiring of scriptures found in the Bible. And at the same time, one of the most sad and forlorn. It is hopeful and inspiring because God literally says that if one person will position themselves correctly before me, that I will spare the land. It is infinitely sad and mournful and that God then says, and this is God who did the searching too, not me. I can overlook things. He said, I didn't find anyone. I want to speak this morning from the subject prayers of intercession. We are in a series that is entitled prayers that make the difference, not a difference, the difference. They aren't the same thing, are they? If someone is homeless and destitute and hungry and I buy them a meal, that makes a difference for them. But if I give them a good job, that can make the difference in their lives, right? There's a difference in those two things. So I'm asking God to help me do three things this morning very quickly. First, I want to show you that regardless of what your personal experience in prayer might have been like up until this point, prayer is not dull, it is not boring, and if you engage in prayer correctly, that it is exciting and life-transforming. 
If what describes your prayer life are the words dull and boring, I want to change that by by helping you discover how exciting and fulfilling prayer can actually be. But second, I want to share with you the different types of prayer that are found in the Bible to help you be able to pray more targeted and effective prayers. Uh, there is a way to pray specifically toward a particular situation. Many believers have not learned that. And that is because often, because, and these things do impact each other, if people believe prayer is dull and boring, they have a tendency to not pray until there's a profound need and then their prayer of desperation is help. And I get that. I understand it. Nothing wrong with them doing that. The Lord wants us to call upon him in the time of trouble. David did. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. Amen. Pastor Andrew, though, talked about the seven different types of devotional prayers and the five type of strategic prayers. One reason that I wrote this book, Moving Heaven to Change Earth, is because believers always want to jump straight to strategic prayers. And frankly, um, I've watched this through, during the years, and maybe you've, this has even been your experience. People want to lay hands on the sick and have them recover, and they want to cast out demons and raise the dead and, and pray for a miracle, and a miracle happen. They, they want to start doing that as soon as they get saved, and nothing wrong with that passion and desire. But the point is is that if you don't learn how to pray devotional prayers, you have no foundation to pray those kind of prayers upon. And they ought to grow out of your devotion toward God, your intimacy with God. And Pastor Andrew talked about devotional prayers, and they are thanksgiving and laudatory prayers and prayers of contrition and then also prayers of petition, which is asking dedicatory prayers where you dedicate things. We're, we're going to dedicate children here just real soon too to the Lord. We hadn't been able to do that in a long time because of this virus. And then prayers of commitment and where you go beyond just dedicating things to God. That's what the Nazarite was. Nobody forced him to be a Nazarite. He just made a decision to be that because he wanted to draw closer to God. And then finally prayers of intimacy. All of these things mark a progression. And point the way toward the heart of God. And once you get in communion with God, I want to tell you this for a fact. Prayer is no longer dull. It is no longer boring. It's, it's waking up in the morning to be engaged with your best friend throughout the entire day. When that happens, you are ready to pray prayers that can move heaven to change earth. I promise you. Amen. And so the third goal that I have this morning, in addition to uh, showing you that prayer is not dull or boring and teaching you the different types of prayer, is to simply help you enjoy prayer so much that you will want to pray more. And that's important because doing so will revolutionize your future. One of the most important things that you can learn as a believer is that some of the things that need to be released in your life to fulfill your destiny will not be released unless you pray. They will not. They're locked up in heaven's store vault and, and, and his warehouse and there's a big padlock on the door and the key to that padlock is called prayer. James said, you have not because you ask not. Pray and you will make a difference in your own future. 
Amen. And that has so such a profound impact on us, but not only on us, but the people around us. When I talk about intercession, there are many, many examples of intercession in the Bible, and we're going to look at several of them. But the first thing I would, I would ask is what is intercession? Because many people don't know. Intercession plays a strategic role. It is one of the strategic forms of prayer. And oh, by the way, I just mentioned, and this is not a shameless advertisement, uh, lots were asking about this. I didn't even know this book. It was out of print and they had sold them all, but uh, they've got a bunch more in the bookstore. And I say it's not a shameless advertisement because I've never received a penny on any book that I've ever written and will not. I, I give that to the church. So if you buy one, just know this is not an advertisement. I wrote those to help people and maybe you can be a blessing to the church too. But Intercession plays a role. It is a strategic form of prayer that helps fulfill God's divine plan for you, others around you, and his purposes. You see, uh, devotional prayers affect you, but strategic, strategic prayers affect the world around you. In Hebrew, the word intercede means to stand before or come between and then to entreat or persuade on behalf of of someone or something. It means to do what our text describes in Ezekiel twenty two thirty. God sought for a man who would make a wall, that is a wall of perimeter, a, a wall of defense, a, a wall of protection. The, the natural state of a child of God when you pray is Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But like Job, who found there, uh, rather in the story of Job, uh, the enemy found there was a, a, a wall around Job. So he set about to try to tear that wall down. That's what the enemy is doing with every single one of you and your families. You need to get that resolved in your mind. He's looking for a way in. And so sometimes we give him that means of access to our lives. We do things that open a door that we should never have opened. I want to talk to people right now because I want to help you close doors that you've opened that shouldn't have been opened in the first place. And you're undergoing attack in some way. Your health, your family, your finances, your children, the business that you've struggled to get off the ground. So many things, your ministry... And sometimes we don't realize we made that attack possible. We opened a door and God said, I was looking for somebody who would make a wall and stand in that gap that was created by Israel's actions because Israel had lived in prolonged rebellion. And God said, I was looking for somebody. I'm searching for someone that'll that close that gap and stand before me. There's the intercession right there. Intercession is to stand before or between. God said, I want somebody to get between the judgments that are coming as a result of the consequences of those decisions and pray that I will stop it because I don't want this to happen. And what I really want to do because my heart is goodness. 
You know, that's what the song was singing. Surely goodness and will follow after me. God wants you to experience his favor for the rest of your life. But the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes we do things that cause the enemy to be able to gain access to our lives by creating a breach in the wall of protection. And you know what that's like? It's like our consequences, our, 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 rather our choices and actions have consequences. And so say you go into a really expensive store. I'm not talking about the corner of, you know, grocery store or the quick stop or something like that. I'm talking about a really expensive store. And they have like exquisite crystal, Waterford crystal, thousands of dollars. And all over the place, there are signs that say, do not touch. And you'd ignore the signs and you walk over and pick up an expensive Waterford vase. The kind they don't call vase, they call vase. You know what I'm talking about. And you just drop it on the floor to see what will happen. Don't be surprised that it shatters into a thousand pieces and that the manager comes out to give you the bill. When you violate the law, it opens the door for consequences. And by the law, I mean this world is programmed to operate on certain fundamental principles. Gravity is one of them. Entropy is another. The four laws of thermodynamics, that kind of thing. But there are spiritual laws that govern the operation of the spiritual dimension. You will never be happy as long as you're ignoring the guiding principles of the word of God. You can't be. That's the owner's manual. Like the one you got with your new car when you bought it. You're not going to run right if you don't go by the, the instructions of the manufacturer. The creator of the universe created you to function in a certain way. And when you operate within those parameters, the sky is the limit. And you will know fulfillment that you cannot ever know otherwise. Amen. But life is like dropping that vase. You know, when you choose to live without the guiding principles of God's word, then our actions and our Choices inevitably bring great pain to us and our family. We didn't intend that. It's called the law of unintended consequences. We didn't mean for it to hurt our kids or hurt our loved ones or blow up our marriage, but we made the wrong choices. And you know what happens? God cares so much about us that he could stand over there and say, ah, yeah, yeah, you, you deserve what you got. He doesn't. He sets about to try to fix us, to care about us, to love us, to embrace us. So he sends us somebody to preach to us the word of God or witness to us or talk to us or our mama comes over and says, I've got a burden on my heart for you and uh, I've been praying for you. What's going on? And we experience conviction within our hearts and he even looks for people, hear what I'm saying, to stand in prayer for, for us that we may avoid the negative consequences of our choices. People begin to be burdened for us that don't even know us real well. And they're praying and all of a sudden they're calling our name. And I say, thank God for that, that somebody can be moved by the heavenly father to pray a prayer that can make a difference in somebody's life. 
One of the most powerful examples of intercession in the Bible is the story of Rispa. And it's powerful because it's such a sharp contrast to the world that we live in right now. Everybody's so busy with these things right here. Amen. They are. I've got messages that have come in while I've been standing up here preaching. And no, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not on social media, not blaming anybody that is. Please don't think I'm, I'm, I'm doing that at all. I'm not. I like the, the fact that we can communicate churches on social media. But here's my point. When that becomes your life, you can't even listen to God because just about the time you start to pray and talk to God, an alert goes off. You've got another photo came in. A, and somebody wants you to like it. And if you don't like it right away, they get mad at you and wonder what's wrong with you. And they won't like your photo the next time. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. Rispa is a startling example of what intercession is like that you can use to contrast with a harried, hurried attitude of today's world. And she was one of the lesser wives of Saul. Way back in the Bible when Joshua crossed over, and I got to hurry. Into the promised land. They defeated Jericho. They defeated Ai. The next town over the hill belonged to the Gibeonites. And man, they saw the walls of Jericho just go flat, collapse after Israel marched around them seven days. And they knew that God was working with Israel. And so they got together and the council of their leaders was that get some old ragged clothes and put them on some people and some worn out sandals and some moldy bread and let them walk in like they limp into the next camp where Israel is at just over the hill. And they say, we came from long, far away and we've heard that God is with you and we want to enter a peace covenant with you. And Joshua didn't even pray about it. He looked at the bread, looked at their tattered clothing, their worn out sandals. And he said, well, we'll never see these guys again. Why not? They entered into a covenant. Let me tell you something. Pray about the decisions you make in your life. Amen. Pray about the folk you get hooked up with. I'm preaching better than somebody's responding right now. Amen. It may be that person is a plant from the enemy in your life. You didn't want me to say that, but I did. Uh-huh. I know he looked good. Amen. They made a peace covenant and God loves covenants. He takes them very seriously. Rather that your covenant of marriage or a covenant of friendship. Don't you be breaking the covenants that, that exist in your life. Don't. Well, say it again. Don't. Don't. Well, I know that sometimes things don't always turn out the way that you hoped and, and planned. But let it be the other person, not you. Now that, that needed an amen right there. So Saul dies and two of his sons get killed on the battlefield. David becomes king and Israel is doing well. Then it goes into famine. One year, there's no rain. Two years, there's no rain. Three years, there's no rain. And for an economy that's based on agronomy and husbandry, this was deadly. 
And David went into intercession. He stood before God with Israel behind him and said, why God, why? Change this, let the rain come. Anybody need rain in this place today? Anybody, anybody, anybody need rain on their finances, rain on their marriage? Anybody need rain on their business? He prayed and God said, it's because of the bloody house of Saul. Because when Saul was king, Saul was so needy. He did things because he needed the support of people. And it always was an irritant to Israel that the Gibeonites had tricked them. Because they went, they journeyed on into the promised land, crossed the next hill. And there were these people they had thought had come from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Very next valley. And so it irritated Israel. And Saul said, I see a way that I can make my leadership over this nation become more cemented and strong. And they'll follow me. I'll get rid of the Gibeonites. And he set about to try to kill them systematically. And the result was, is that he killed a bunch of them, but didn't wipe them all out. And now, these years later, the bill has come due. And the Gibeonites have been crying out for God to deal with the wrong and injustice that's been done to them. And there is this famine. And David asked God what the problem is. God said, it's the Gibeonites. So David goes to the Gibeonites and says, what's your problem with us? And they said, your first king Saul killed a bunch of us. He violated the covenantal treaty that we'd entered into with Israel. And David said, what can we do? And the Gibeonites said, give us seven sons of Saul and we will execute them in place of the many and hundreds of Gibeonites that were killed. They could have said, we want one for one. They didn't. They said, just give us seven sons. And what makes this significant is that Saul's sons were part of his military. They were also part of his military leadership. They were some of his generals. And so these are guys that participated in the genocide. And so they take seven sons, but two of them are of this woman named Rispa. Now, I'm going to rush toward the points I want to make, but I want to ask you a question. Who knows who Rispa is in this building? Raise your hand. Many of you don't, yet she is one of the most significant women in, in the entire Bible. She was a lesser wife of Saul. Two of those that they were taking to execute were her sons and they hung them on a tree. And they died and everybody went home except for one person. And it was Rispa. And she stayed out there and for six months she would not go home. She took her cloak and during the day, whenever the vultures would come, she would say, go away. You can't get my boys. You can't have my family. Go away. And at night she would lay down and awaken to the snarling and the growling of wild beasts. And she would get up and she would say, get away. You can't have my family. Those are my boys. I'm talking to somebody right now. You've got the power to stand between the devourer and your family. You can tell the enemy back up in the name of Jesus. You can't have my son. You cannot have my husband. You cannot have my daughter. You will not destroy my marriage. Amen. 
and the famine ended. She stayed there for six months to defend her sons from the predators. The first type of intercession, and there are three, is to stand between man and the enemy. That's what she did. Enemy over here, sons over here. You're not getting anywhere near my sons. You, you try to come from the front, I'm right here. You try to come around from the side, I'm over here. You're not going to touch my family. You're not going to have my boys. My kids are not going to get strung out on drugs. I'm going to watch you, my kids, hang around. I'm not going to let the enemy have them. They will not be involved in a gang. We're putting a stop to this right now. They will finish their education. They will have a future. They're going to make a difference with their lives. Esther's another example of this type of intercession. She stood between wicked Haman and the Jewish people. She would not let Haman destroy her people. Amen. You see, this is the type of intercessory prayer where you plead the blood of Jesus. My grandmama used to do that all the time. I plead the blood of Jesus over this boy. I, she raised me. I plead the blood of Jesus over him and his brothers. Sometimes you got to plead the blood. My wife is sitting right there on the front row. She's not very tall. I got a daughter and a son, I think, here somewhere in their family. But when my kids were small and I was out preaching every night while they were in bed, she went in, anointed them, and said, The enemy cannot touch them. She would put, she would anoint their shoes, the shoes they were going to wear to. You know, she even anointed their beds. I'm surprised they didn't slide out of bed at night. She was constantly anointing everything. The devil's a liar. He can't have my family. He can't have my kids. He can't touch my children. Intercession. Hallelujah. Give God some praise in this house. Let's take a praise break for a moment. I praise your name, Lord. The second type of intercession is to stand between man and man. Because sometimes you have to do that. Fractures occur in relationships. During this whole thing with COVID, we've seen a lot of that, haven't we? In our world, stress levels have accelerated. Have you noticed how on edge people are? I mean... They, they think you even look at them wrong. They get offended. You driving and you accidentally cut somebody off and you didn't even know it because you was changing radio stations. They pull out a gun, wave it at you. People getting shot over stuff like that. Children going to an early grave. Homes robbed of fathers, wage earners, a mama doesn't live to see her own kids graduate. It's not right. It's not right. I'm telling you. And then the person that pulls the trigger goes to jail and spends years and years. Now, what sense does this make? Sometimes you got to stay in between people and say, it's okay. Let's de-escalate the situation. You better watch who your friends are because sometimes they can push you to do things you'll regret the rest of your life. You see what he did? I, they didn't treat you right. I'd, I'd say something about that. 
Uh-uh. No, if you can't help me, don't advise me. Let me preach for just a minute. I'm not going to be much longer. I'm just about done. In Matthew 5 and 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. There's several things I would say about that. First, if you're going to make peace, you're going to have to run to where the trouble is. Everybody's always walking away from it. No, go to work, placate people, calm them down. Don't stand there and videotape somebody. I'm preaching real well right now. Tell me why somebody can be killed and a video posted on YouTube. Why didn't you do something other than video it? Go to where the trouble is. Number two, if you're going to have peace, you will have to make it. Peacemaker. Doesn't just happen. You have to make it. I'm talking to some husbands and wives right now. And a holy hush descended on the house of God. Make peace. Well, she's the one who started it. It, Does it really matter? And number three, if you are a peacemaker, you will be called a son of God. Why? Because that is the ministry of Jesus Christ. He came to earth to make peace. Between God and fallen humanity. Enter into the ministry of God and make peace between people who have fractured relationships. Told the story before, but my grandmother, I was raised in Lake Charles and she raised nine children of her own. Me and two brothers uh, when we were real small and, and, and then also somebody else. She raised a total of 13 kids. And... She was well known in, in that little town, Lake Charles. It's grown some since then. Never will forget. We, we called her Nanny. That's what we were taught to call her, Nanny. And boy, she prayed. That woman could pray. Good Lord, could she pray. I, I told you I hated that screen door on the back porch because if you opened it, it went creep. And she would say, Richard, is that you? Come in and join me in prayer. And I'd go, Do I have to? Yes, you have to. And now thank God for that. Amen. And your kids won't like it either, but bring them to church anyway. I had an uncle, and I'm not going to tell his name. But one of his sons got in trouble with the law. And Nanny knew everybody. She knew the judge and, and town. She knew, the, 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 she knew it all. And so my uncle came over and, and they called her Big Mama. I don't know why we called her Nanny and they called her Big Mama, but they did. And my uncle came over and I saw his car turn in the drive. Back in the day, we'd sit on the front porch in rocking chairs. And, and she, she was sitting there. My uncle came up and said, Big Mama, I need to talk to you. And she said, you go in the house. And I went in the house, but I was listening from inside. I didn't tell that part of it. And he said, my son is in trouble and he's got to go to court. I want you to talk to the judge. You know him. 
you're highly influential. And she said, she got up and she said, before I talk to the judge, I'm going to go talk to the judge. And she didn't go that day. She prayed. She didn't go the next day. She didn't go the next day. She didn't go the, I don't remember how many days it was after, but I remember when she put her black dress on. The black dress was the go to town dress. And she put on her black dress and she called my uncle and said, I'm ready to go see the judge now because I've talked to the judge and it's going to be all right. And it was all right because somebody was an intercessor. Don't you let the enemy have your children. Do what Rizpa did and say, no. Keep them away. The devourers, keep them away. Intercession finally means to stand before God in prayer on someone's behalf. And that can be to intercede in prayer for his blessings and favor, for healing, for deliverance, for your business. It could be so many things. It can be for yourself. It can be for someone else. What I love about the story of Rizpah is they brought King David word after six months. And when David heard what he, she had done, he was so profoundly moved that he sent and had her her sons taken down and given proper internment and burial. It is just, just, it's profoundly moving that he did that because the king was moved by this mother's intercession. And I want you to know there is a king that is moved by your intercession too. Don't stop. Don't stop. Amen. Don't stop praying. You can stand before God on behalf of someone to bring them together with God. And the reason we do that is because, you know, man's actions separate him from God. I think of the story of of Israel in the wilderness. They were there 40 years. And on four different occasions, Moses had to stand between God and Israel. God looked at Israel, gave them instructions. They flippantly said, nope, we'll do what we want to do. Thank you very much. And God said to Moses, their sins demand recompense. They have to be addressed. And Moses said, wait a minute, God, wait, no, 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 no. And God said, Moses, get out of the way. Get out of the way, Moses. And Moses said, if you destroy them, destroy me too. Four different times. We read in Psalms 106, verse 23, 4. Are 23 rather in the B clause, but Moses, your chosen leader, stood in the gap between you and the people and made intercession on their behalf to turn away your wrath from killing them all. God said, I'll start all over again and make a new nation out of you, Moses. And Moses said, no, God, uh-uh, please, let's not do that. Four different times, four different times, he stopped them from being destroyed. And that is the story around this text in Ezekiel, because once again, now only hundreds of years later, Israel had once more drifted away from God. It sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and they ignored the voice of God. And judgment was saying, get out of the way, Lord. Justice has to be done. You can't be God unless this earth is balanced by righteousness and justice, as well as mercy and love. And Ezekiel 22, God said, okay, Justice, just a minute. Before I get out of the way, he said this. 
I'm going to look for somebody to stand in the way. Somebody to make up a wall. Somebody to stand in the gap before me. On behalf of the land that it should not be destroyed. That I should not destroy it. But this is what the scripture says. I found no one. May heaven never say that regarding our families. May heaven never say that regarding our city, our country. Do you realize the mess we're in right now? They're saying we could go to war. Russia could invade the Ukraine. It could be only days away. We've got soldiers there. That's like pulling on a thread. You don't know where it will stop unraveling. The impact on the economy. You complain about the price of fuel right now. But I wonder if God is really saying, wait a minute. Let me see if I can stir the church up to pray a little bit first. And some intercessors to stand up and make a difference in this world. But he said, I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. If I have one word to say, it's this. Don't stop praying. And if you haven't begun, start. Start. Pray. Pray, develop your intimacy with God, amen, and then pray. When you intercede, the king will act just like the king acted for Rispa. When you talk to God, it changes the outcome, amen. And I wonder if just this congregation were to pray, what would happen? Because God didn't say, I'm looking for a church. He said, I'm looking for one man. That's neutral in gender, man or woman. It doesn't matter. It could be anybody. It could be you right back there. You, 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 you. It could be, it could be an usher standing at the door right now. God said, if you will pray, I will spare the land. And here's the final question. Suppose that more than one person responded. Stand with me, please. Suppose the whole church cried out to God. Who in this building needs intercession for their family? Let me see your hand. You need intercession for a family member. Who in this building needs a miracle? You've been praying And you need somebody to join with you. I don't know what the miracle may be about. Finances, healing. You need somebody to join with you. Raise your hand. People are coming forward. And today I'm going to allow that. We have not had altar calls in two years. But for those of you that need to come forward. Now listen, I'm going to frame this carefully. And you are comfortable being up front. Because many of you have, you've already, you've got immunity. And so you're not worried about this anymore. You're, you're working on your job in the public. You're going to restaurants. You're going to stores and the mall. And if you want to come forward, you can. Just try to social distance as you get close to the altar. Come right now. Those of you who raised your hands, you need 
intercession. You need prayer. You need a miracle. If you need a, I've, I've got a strong word for somebody that needs a miracle in their family. Come right now. Somebody's marriage needs God to intervene. Stop worrying about who's right and ask God to make it right. you're here today and you don't know Christ you should certainly be up here as well amen or at least wherever you may be in the building pray this prayer with us every head bow oh God oh God oh God We need you so much, Lord. The enemy's a liar. If you're here today and you need Jesus in your life, raise your hand right where you are and say, pray for me, Pastor. I need Christ. God bless you. God bless you and you. Keep raising them. God bless you and you and you. And there's so many hands all all over this area. God bless you. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will come into every heart that is surrendered right now. We repent of our sins. We ask you to forgive us. Thank you for being our intercessor. Thank you for being on the cross to stand between us and the judgment our sins had incurred. Thank you. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for standing in the gap. Thank you. Thank you for loving us that much. We receive you as our Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're home or in this building, we welcome you into the family of God on the screen. There will be a QR code and a number you can text to. Let's give them an applause. Let's have a party for just a moment for those that prayed and gave their hearts to God. Come on. Somebody lift up their voice and let's praise him. Let's let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you will take that QR code, capture that on your phone or send a text to that number right there. You can make an appointment to be baptized or register for the baptism that's coming up. And let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. If you have prayer requests, let us know about that too. And then don't stop there. Don't stop there. I'm going to urge you, go be baptized like that Jesus commanded. Get baptized. We'll be happy to do it. Number two. Be filled with the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you may live the Spirit-empowered life. And number three, become a disciple of Jesus. I write, a, I write a, a, a morning devotional every day and send it out. We've got 2,100 families that are subscribed. Doesn't cost you a dime, a dime. Just text to join or go to that QR code. Same text. Well, I think it might be a different text number. I didn't look at it. But just text to that number and... Um, We would love to have you join that. You have to do that. We can't sign you up. So that's why I ask you to do that. And you can every morning go to the cross with us and study the word of God as a family of believers and grow deeper in your faith with God. Now, it's time to do some warfare right now. It's time to have some prayer right now.
It's time to do some intercession right now. You are in this altar because you believe that God, the King, will respond to your intercession. So lift your hands right now and let's go to God, whatever that need is. Father, I pray for you to come in response to the cries of these precious people. I want you to intervene. You know what each individual need is. I do not, but you do. And I'm asking you to move and keep the vultures away. Keep the wild beast away. Keep the devourer away. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over every family, every life, every home, every business, every enterprise. We pray that you will preserve the destiny of these precious people. And we declare, Satan, your power is broken. You cannot come near. You cannot come near. In the name of Jesus, we declare with Psalms 91 that we're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. We're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. The Lord is our fortress and our shield. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand. But it will not come near me. I want you to say that. It will not come near me. It will not come near me. You know one of the things that I love about the Bible. It is so filled with extraordinary insights and metaphors. You see that serpent on the cross. Moses raised in the wilderness and I'll say this and I'm done people were being bitten by these serpents and dying and dropping right and left the people were terrified and you know what God's solution was put a brazen serpent on a pole and whoever looks at it will live face what you're afraid of face That's a word for somebody. Face what you are afraid of. Face what you're afraid of. You are powerful. You are strong. You are anointed. You're a child of God. The hand of God is upon you. And so today, Lord, I declare that we are more than victorious. We're more than overcomers. I can do, say it with me, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at somebody near you and tell them you're free in the name of Jesus. Satan can't cross the bloodline. I understand there's a new Superman movie coming out. I don't know if it'll, you know, I haven't seen it. What's any of that for so long? I'll tell you this if he's the same guy he was years ago he was deathly afraid of kryptonite you know what the blood is it's kryptonite to the devil you're covered by the blood of Jesus he can't come near you 
Come on, give God some praise. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I love you so much. For those who wish to linger in prayer, you're welcome. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. I love you so much. Don't forget.